Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcast. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. Now, if you want to find out more about them or any of the other authors in the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash authors where you'll actually find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable and free, that's free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. So today we're speaking with David Coe. Now for those of you who haven't met David before, David is Australia's authority on investor social media. And this is all about uh, his strategies that he's learned as a communication strategist who has the rare ability to write for the head and the heart. Now what he does is he combines the discipline of a career in financial journalism and investment banking with insights gained from 35 years of informal study into human behavior in such diverse places as a Buddhist monastery, Sydney, Queensland, and Cambridge universities, Finhorn in Scotland, the schools of Werner Erhard and John D. Martini, and the newsrooms of more than a dozen major newspapers around the world. David is an accomplished presenter, author, editor, animations producer, and script writer who quickly gets the intellectual and emotional core of a business case. He is the managing editor of his own firm, Investor Talk, and that's Talk T-O-R-Q-U-E, which helps junior listed companies reach tens of thousands of investors on social media. So welcome, David. Thanks very much, Ben. But it's a pleasure to have you here today. Oh, look, I'm really enjoying myself being here. It's, um, it's a lot of fun to share um, this whole new way of thinking of social media. I mean, it really is a whole new way of thinking about it. I, I think one of the things that struck me when I look at all the results you're getting in the marketplace and you know, the amazing amount of raving fans you're creating through your business investor talk, uh, you know, is it true nowadays that it's easier than ever before for people to make the connections that they need in the marketplace through this means of social media. Well, that's right. In fact, it matches up with the fact that it's never been harder for junior companies to get publicity. Newspaper revenues are shrinking, their page sizes are shrinking, their circulations are shrinking, and their staff is shrinking. But at the same time, Social media has changed the game so that companies can now cultivate audiences of investors, self-managed super funds, brokers, analysts, journalists, wealth advisors. In fact, they can get their message directly to that whole ecosystem of the financial markets and in the process sidestep their need for the business press to report on them. Got it. So, Robert, I guess, uh, skip business press altogether. Is that what you're saying? Well, the business press, like the brokers, really want to focus on the biggest 200 companies. And they dominate the, they dominate the business press, they dominate um, brokers' reports, they dominate that whole sector. That's 200 of them. The other 1,800 companies have traditionally shouted into an empty room when they've made ASX announcements, when they've tried to get their news to the markets. 
So instead of shouting into an empty room, that eight, those other 1,800 companies can now take their message directly to the markets. I love it. So, so tell me, why, why this topic? Why are you so passionate about sharing this with the marketplace? When I was at Macquarie and the Financial Review, the blindingly obvious truth hit me that all they were doing was focusing on the biggest companies, while all these other companies, the junior companies that had the most potential growth, the most chances of um, really getting a big return on an investment for, for ordinary mum and dad investors, uh, the blinding obvious truth struck me that these guys now had a way to get their message to investors rather than suffer in silence like they had been. Had been. Got it. And so, you know, it, it, I guess it would be fair to say that on some level, the, the smaller organisations are the ones that can create the biggest disruption because they're only sort of in their early stages of innovation and I mean, they can often have some of the largest impacts, but I guess what you're saying is that they're, they're, they're getting missed altogether. So is it that you wanted to provide a voice for them? Is that kind of a way of thinking about it? Yes, and what we do, we actually cultivate for them the audience, So, that, and then we use our editors, and I have a team of editors stretching from London to Melbourne who use our journalism skills inside the new media to take information to the investors that we cultivate on behalf of the clients, and this is where the magic happens, because the, the audience is being given information that they value, they share it. So, in fact, last week we set an in-house record with one of our clients, a small gold developer with 1,800 followers, and that, that small gold company reached... 410,000 in two weeks. So 800 followers reaches 410,000. And that was marginally fewer than a, a global company like Anglo-American. Anglo-American reaches about 450,000 in a fortnight. This company reached 410,000. So tell us a little bit more about your strategies of how you do this. So for the listeners listening in, what can they glean from your incredible level of expertise and knowledge in this that would be practical things they can start to apply in their business if they want to get out there in that marketplace? Okay. So one of the critical things is that if somebody's planning to do an IPO or they want to do a secondary raising or they're on the market, it starts to build your audience sooner rather than later. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of people make the mistake, and we'll discuss a couple of mistakes that easily made, but a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, oh, I won't do anything until I have news. Excuse me, I'll have a drink of water. So, <laughs> um, so they don't do anything until they have news, but then they realize when they've got news, they have no audience to hear it. So what we found is that by actually cultivating the audience first, you can have that audience in place when you're ready to make the announcements. Okay. Now, and here's the second part of this. A lot of companies and a lot of research has been shown that this is true, that they just want to talk about themselves. But if you know anything about social media theory, social media is a lot like being at a cocktail party. If you're standing in the middle of a room talking about yourself, you're probably not talking to very many people. But if you're talking to things that interest people, then you'll have a room full of people hanging off your every word. Right? So what we do on behalf of our clients, we not only create content for them based on their ASX announcements, 
based on public information that's on their website, but we also curate information from authoritative sources. So if the Fed does something that in fact influences gold prices, or um, there's something that, that China's doing that's infecting, influencing iron ore prices, we will create that sort of content and post it on behalf of our clients, and that's the sort of stuff that not only positions our client as an authoritative, authoritative source, but it's the stuff that the investors will share with each other and send viral. Got it. So on, on some level, you're saying that too many people are waiting for something to become newsworthy instead of just going out there and creating the news. That's right. I mean, one of, our, one of the three things that we bring together is journalism. So let me just recap very quickly. The three things that we bring together are journalism, market knowledge, and social media expertise. It's surprising how many executives don't realize how many great stories they actually know and are sitting on. So mm -hmm. being able to identify what uh, investors value to hear about means that we can create news for our, our clients that will be sent viral. The mistake you're pointing to is that they sit there thinking, oh, I can't do anything here, yet I've got nothing to tell people. But that's actually a, mis that's a, um, it's a mistake. It's a mistake mm -hmm. because there is so much information that's already in the public domain, and this is about safety and, and compliance, and I'll talk about it in just a second, but it's all the information that's there that, you, that um, investors will value. And so if a company starts to share it, they position themselves in authority in their own sector. Now, let me share with you one more thing that's critical to doing this safely. When I say safely, I mean so that you're not running up against compliance laws and the regulations. Mm -hmm. And that is that information must be released to the stock exchange first. So here's how we do it. We cultivate and curate information that is already in the public domain. So it's already been released to the stock exchange. Yep. And that can be done moments, moments after the release is released. Or it's already on their company's website, or it's from authoritative third-party sources like the Reserve Bank or the Wall Street Journal or the City Morning Herald or the Financial Times. Got it. Because it's already in the public domain, it's perfectly safe to share. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the strategies of getting on the front foot and still being compliant in the process of doing so. Exactly. Yep. Everybody wants to be compliant, and, they, and a lot of people are concerned about compliance. But if you think about it clearly, it's a very manageable situation. So, so say I'm a small enterprise, yep. and I'm wanting to get some investors' attention. Tell me something that I could do this week or tomorrow or tonight that... Uh, is going to further accelerate that process. So the two areas you want to go hunting in are Twitter and LinkedIn. Twitter and LinkedIn in particular have become, they've become alternatives for retail investors to the expensive news feeds from Bloomberg and Reuters. So that's where you want to play. You want to play in Twitter and you want to play in LinkedIn. Okay. Um, in this area, I know Facebook is particularly popular in social media, but we find in terms of financial markets, um, when people, are, even executives, when they're on Facebook, they're in a completely different mindset. Right? So, um, 
and we're talking about companies now, and the best companies that we would be talking, the companies that would most benefit from what we're talking about are those companies that intend to go to an IPO at some point, okay? Because the shares that people buy are bought through, through brokers, okay? It's not like, say, for example, you've got a website where you're selling shoes or books and you just go click on buy here and it goes through. So because of that slight difference, um, the companies that benefit most from investor social media are the companies that will be going through to an IPO rather than private companies that are looking for individual investors. Got it. So you're saying, so I'm sitting around the house and I want to get on Twitter and I want to get on LinkedIn. What sort of posts should I be putting there? What, is it, what are the must-haves? What are the definitely don't do that? What, give me some other things that they can... So educational material is really valuable. That's what people love to share. That's what posts... Uh, that was what positions the company um, as an authority in its space. So if, you, if you're going to an IPO at some point, right, so that's your strategy... What you want to be doing is looking for people who identify themselves as an investor, as a broker, as a chartist, as an analyst, as a journalist, as an accountant, as a wealth advisor, as someone from the financial markets, right? Mm -hmm. And then start to post information that validates your own business case. So, for example, um, I'm thinking of one particular client that... Uh, was a citrus grower and had pomelos. Actually, I'm not sure whether it's pronounced pomelo or pomelo, but it is that very uh, hip, hip fruit that has become the rage in London. And the London Daily Telegraph, the authoritative London Daily Telegraph, ran a story about how pomelos were the hip new fruit in London. They were being seen in the best restaurants in the, on the tables of aristocracy. Um, <laughs> and so we were able to actually run this story with a link and here's critical, with a link to the Telegraph story. So it's not just our opinion, but rather we're saying, <clears throat> we're saying the Telegraph is reporting this. So by including the link, then the authority of the tweet goes up. Got it. I like it. So... So, so this is really, there's a concept out there that they call newsjacking, where you observe what's happening in that mainstream media that correlates to what you're doing in business and you sort of hook onto the side of it. Uh, is this a, a, a bit of a case of newsjacking? It's a term I haven't used before, haven't heard before, um, but I simply call it sharing. Right? Um, yeah, nice. Be, because... Look, it's true that, that investors want information they can profit from. Now, okay, so it's illegal to give them inside information. But the truth is that retail investors do not have the time or resources to be able to track every company and every announcement that each company makes. So companies can set themselves up by providing, or shall I say, alerting investors to, to relevant news items. So, David, just say that sentence, the, the, the phrase, that investors want information they can profit from. Yeah, exactly. That's why people are in the markets, right? People are in the markets to make money. So they want information that they can make money from. And it may be, for example, another time we had a client who was actually another gold company, and 
we found research from Goldman Sachs out of New York where they're talking about how the gold price was, was about to bottom and head north. Well, investors love that sort of information. A, it was public, so it's safe, but B, it's authoritative and um, it's timely. Got it. So I guess what you're saying here is that anything out there in the marketplace that allows the investor to know that your product or service is getting traction, is potentially going to grow its market share, or anything that really does cast a positive light on your, uh, your share, your, your, your investment opportunity, you have to be on the front foot letting everybody know that this is taking place because the, the investors aren't spending the time doing that. So you have to aggregate that information for them. Is that, is that what's going on here? That's right. And it's been validated by research from Melbourne, by research out of Stanford University, and even by our own client experiences. And what it really means, where it shows up in the real-world results, is that um, when, when companies make that effort, it means that they start to build price tension as more investors know of their, of their news. More investors are actually opting in to receive their news, and in the process, that increases what's called on-market liquidity. In other words, the number of shares that turn over each day or each month starts to ratchet upwards. When that starts to happen, this, the gap between what the buyers are offering and what the sellers are asking narrows. And when you've got a narrow bid-ask spread, the, share, the shares are more appealing to investors because it's easy to get in and get out if you change your mind or there's a change of circumstances and you don't get caught having to give away 10% of the price of the share just to be able to sell. Got it. And so people who are adopting your strategies and uh, working through your process, because I, I know in uh, the book, this international bestseller here, Elevate Your Success, I know you speak about this Venn diagram with these three areas, social media, market knowledge, and business journalism, and basically having that sweet spot that allows you to be the most effective within those three skills yep. to be highly effective in investor social media. People who are able to do that, uh, I guess, cross-pollination of those skills, business journalism, social media, and market knowledge, well, what, what other kinds of results do you start to see, apart from that price tension, what other kinds of things do you hear people saying that they're achieving and doing as a result of working with you? <clears throat> it means that they can get more bums on seats at, at investor roadshows. It means that when they have to do a capital raising, more investors actually know the investment case and why the directors are confident that the money that they raise will be used effectively and profitably. And in a crisis... Companies that use investor social media can mobilize their shareholders. Now, here's a really classic example. We had another company. I seem to be mentioning gold companies all the time, but gold is the flavor of the month. Uh, we had a gold <laughs> company that was on the verge of pouring its first gold bar, right? So it had explored, it had built a mine, it had built a plant, just about to pour its first gold. And, it's, and a bunch of... Um, corporate raiders decided that instead of trying to take over the company by buying the shares on market and paying a premium for the shares, they were going to a boardroom coup and um, they engineered an extraordinary general meeting to try and vote the incumbent directors off. 
Well, even though the client had been on board with us for only three weeks when this happened, and it had, it had something like 300 followers, we were able to tell the truth about what was going on ahead of the extraordinary meeting, mobilize the shareholders. We got their message to two, 120,000 within a couple of weeks. Um, the shareholders turned up, knew the real story about how they're trying to be shafted by these raiders, and then so they voted down the, the, uh, the motion by the raiders, kept the incumbent board, and the board maintained control of the company as the company became an actual producer of gold. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So it has that real-time effect of being able to, to, to create a movement, share the message, and, and get that awareness raised as and when required, specifically in, in times of emergency. So That's right. I mean, look, I actually call it you know, real-world results because I know that a lot of old-school directors are used to doing business face-to-face -face and they're used to doing mm -hmm, business mm -hmm. on personal recommendations and they often have a degree of scepticism about social media. And now that's understandable because they often see their children or their spouses what they would consider wasting time on Facebook. But what they don't recognize is that done properly, social media is personal recommendation on steroids. And mm -hmm. so not only is it on steroids, but also it's, um, it's it balances out the, the playing field so that small companies can actually have a much louder voice relative to their market size than the big companies. So it's, just, it's really, it's real-time, real-world results. That's it. That's right. That's exactly how I would say it. Real-time, real-world results. Yeah, I really like it. I know, I know that on your, uh, your business website, Investor Talk, and again for the listeners, it's talk, T-O-R-Q-U-E dot com. There's a, there's a whole section there of free resources that, uh, that I can start downloading straight away. And I also know that you've got uh, your own personal webpage as well, which is David Co. Uh, D-A-V-I-D-C-O-E dot com dot A-U. So there are many ways the listeners can sort of connect with you and potentially engage your services, your company and your team. Are there any other ways in which you, you can think, can they, can they catch you on, a, obviously, social media somewhere? What other places can they connect and find out more about you? So they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Visual Scribe. Um, and on LinkedIn, I'm... Uh, David Coe, Investor Communications. But the, the real thing that I think for companies that may be uncertain about um, how to deal with social media is start by writing corporate blogs. Now, here's something that I think is greatly overlooked, and yet the research shows that, in, that institutional investors, the big fund managers, the insurance companies, the banks, the superannuation funds, are starting to read corporate blogs. And a corporate blog, in effect, is a corporate newsroom for a company. They can tell their own story in their own words, and that will lay them a great foundation that as they start to um, either work with us or even do it by themselves and going into the, the social media, they can then have links back to their own website where they engage investors and show those investors their, the company story in the, exactly the way the company wants to present it. Got it. So 
you're saying that companies out there as a, as a minimum first step should begin to create their own corporate blog, but really when they're doing their corporate blog, they should be thinking of it yep. as their own little private newsroom where they are creating their own media and they're sharing with the world their story, their wins, their leverage, the growth and everything that's happening. Is that the Exactly, difference? exactly. What they're planning to do, what their successes are, how they look and even look, we all know that markets go through challenging times. So that if you can keep investors inside the tent and tell them how you're planning to cope with the strategy, then you're much more likely to keep them on board rather than have them sell out. Got it. And do you recommend that that blog sits on their company site? Is it a separate site? What, what, what's the, what, what have you found? Oh, I think it should be on the company site. Uh, and I would okay. call it the corporate newsroom. I, that's what corporate we do newsroom. Client. Yeah. So, so uh, investors know exactly um, what they're getting, which is this is the news about the company. Got it. So rather than call it a blog, they can call it the corporate newsroom. Exactly. I love it. Mate, are there any final tips or, or any other pieces of wisdom you'd love to share with people out there who are looking to, to, to reach more investors? Look, I, I think the biggest tip is that you've got to build your, build your audience now. People feel like it's a lot of effort or they haven't got something to say or that it's going to be too distracting. My advice is just start. Just start, and you will find that you'll discover things more and more things that they can say. They will discover more and more ways that they can be efficient. They will discover more and more ways, more and more sources of authoritative third-party information, and then they'll discover more and more ways that they can benefit and get the real-time, real-world results. Got it. So, key phrase, you know, build your list now. That's right. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, uh, you know, thanks, David. I, I really got some value out of that. I, it makes sense to me. And just so it's clear in my mind, it sounds like start looking for news out there that supports your company's growth. Start creating your own newsroom. Start letting investors know about all kinds of things. When the tough times come, let them know. You know it reminds me a lot about uh, Warren Buffett, how he does the uh, mistake du jour in his newsletter where he, you know, lets the investors in on, on his biggest mistake of the month and, and how he's going to overcome that. So he's always on the front foot with a lot of what he's doing, which is, which is kind of nice as well. So uh, I'm getting some really practical things out of here. And I think having a tab on a website as well, corporate newsroom. Uh, are there any other little practical things that I've missed that, that you wanted to but reinforce? Something you just raised about Warren I think is really valuable. See, a lot of people don't want to admit their mistakes because they feel like it lowers their credibility. Whereas... And we do this when we do a, a LinkedIn profile for executives. We find out what their biggest learnings are. Because the truth is we've all made mistakes and we've all learned from it. And our current stakeholders benefit by what we've learned. They actually benefit by mistakes we've made years ago. So being able to say not just, oh, I made this mistake, but rather this is what I learned from it and this is how you profit from it, then, then your credibility goes up and the engagement intensifies. Yeah, I like it. So that full transparency so that they can have total uh, trust and faith in the organization as a whole. That's right. Because if you think about it, somebody who's running a company is being asked by an investor to steward that investor's money. And if they have faith in the steward, they'll have faith in the company. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Look, David, uh, you know, we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, and I think that the main thing is that if, if the listeners want to find out more information and really connect more deeply with you, they can go to investortalk.com. They can also go to davidcoe.com.au. And they can also go to elevatebooks.com forward slash authors where they'll actually see a picture of you and your name. They can click on that picture and it'll take them through to a whole bunch more information as well. So, David, I just want to thank you uh, so much for your time today and for coming on the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Ben. It's great to be able to uh, share what, to me, is a very exciting new way of companies communicating to investors. I love it. So, as always, if you'd like to hear any more uh, about uh, this author or any of the other authors, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash author. And I really want to um, thank you once again for your time. And always remember that giving yourself permission to do what you love, that really is the key to elevating all areas of your life. Until we meet again, share your light, live your love, and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. For more information, visit www.elevatebooks.com.